welcome to episode six of the Grand Trace Bros podcast. It's been a long time since we've joined you guys to inform you on the what's and how's of Gran Turismo, but we're back and we have more people than ever. One, not two, but three, if you can count them as a person. His name is Daniel Lamb. No, it's Daniel Solis, sorry. (laughs) All these PSN names have me all messed up, but yes, we are here. Get used to it, all right? I'll give you a pass on that one. We have FIA World Tour 2019. We have the FIA Online World, well, the FIA Championship for 2019. We got uh, car news. We have Toyotas, and we have the beautiful Tristan Bayless Hello. as my co-host and our guest for the hour, or whatever, how long, however long this takes. Uh, Daniel Solis, Dodge Lamb, as you may know, the uh, fightinest controller user in the world according to my humble estimation welcome to the show daniel how you doing today i don't know if i'm happy to be here after everything you just said but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll figure it out uh nothing like a like an upset daniel to start the day hmm. my favorite but you'll yes. be fine dude. i'm always your favorite oh you are you are the things you tell me every day sometimes <laughs> oh i get a little worried <laughs> I do too. You might like me a little too much. Well, I feel very comfortable, you know. So I'll be sending you stuff in the mail. Just uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, dude. It's nice that you're approachable about any topic. Yeah, to get down and serious about things. You and that's one of the things I wanted to mention. First of all, is uh, your knowledge. You know, it's Vinicius, or also known as Hellsfire, and Dodge Lamb. You two are the ones that I'm always like. What are, I want something just happened in the GT world, and I want to know what these two guys think, so I can form my opinion after that. Hmm. I'm a man of hot takes, so you shouldn't listen to me. Well, yeah, they're hot takes. They may not be right right away, but they're, they're interesting. They they they, sh- they rattle the nest, so to speak. So you're like a, a boiling cauldron of current events. <laughs> yeah, dude, and that should taste like tofu too. That's not a good thing. <laughs> No, not quit. tofu, sorry. Uh, fondue. Ugh. It's been a while. We're still anyway. heading in the wrong direction here. <laughs> we are. Let's bring it on back. I'm supposed to be the host. I'm the moderator. <laughs> okay. So, starting off with the event that just happened today. We're recording on a Saturday. It is March 16th. World Tour Nations Cup just happened. I'm sorry. Manufacturers Cup just happened. Nations is tomorrow. And... Some of us watched it, so what do you guys think, starting with Tristan? It was extremely exciting the whole time. Um, I was on the edge of my seat for, gosh, like three out of four races. And even then, the um, every race had uh, a lot of punctuated moments of, um, you know, exceptional driving, opportunistic overtaking, and then just ridiculous calamity. So uh, without spoiling anything, I got to say it's, Absolutely worth a watch for even casual viewers. Yeah. Oh, we're fine to spoil. This is a spoiler cast, but thank you for that. Before we get into the spoilers, now's the time if you guys want to fast forward onto the other juicy news we're going to, we're going to cover toward the end of the podcast, which that being the uh, ju- recently released uh, Gran Turismo FIA World Championship Series Overview. We're going to be talking about that in the 
uh, second half of the podcast. So fast forward if you don't want any spoilers for the World Tour uh, manufacturers. All right. And Paris. Paris. Number one. And there were short races, weren't they, Daniel? They were uh, uh, sprints, like true sprints. Yeah, they were, I think, a little bit shorter than most people wanted. Like, even the final race, 17 laps at Barcelona is not too particularly long. Uh, certainly wasn't like, I guess Nürburgring wasn't even that long either, but, <clears throat> you know, we were expecting a longer event, you know? If they're going to dedicate an entire day to uh, uh, an entire a specific series probably want more than 32 laps overall over the course of four races. Hmm. It didn't give too much time for people to make up any ground that that was lost, etc. Because there were quite a few mistakes. Uh, some warranted, some unwarranted. But there were, there were definitely some costly mistakes that in a longer race wouldn't have been so bad. But a lot of the championship was somewhat decided on one, uh, the winners playing super well, and then two, a lot of other people getting screwed over by either small or major mistakes from themselves or from other people. So, uh, I wish it was longer, just to allow people to fight a little bit more, but it is what it is. So, who's the first guy in your mind that got screwed over in this world tour? Who got screwed over? There were a lot of people, so... Um, I think the one that got hurt the most was the Renault drivers. They, the big spin they had at Brands Hatch, sent them all the way from second to last place, and of course that set them up for a really tough climb back to the top from the second race onward. Yeah, totally. That was very, uh, gosh huge penalty for what happens well when you think uh when you think of renault at least nowadays you don't really think of uh in terms of group four the 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 mcgann itself the usually the mcgann trophy is what's used in the meta so the first thing that shot to my mind was the renault driver just spun from second all the way down to last they're going to get no points for the first race and then there is the potential that they get stuck with the mcgann trophy at tokyo Thankfully, they didn't. But had they had they gotten the trophy for the second race, they might have stayed in 12th place. Mm-hmm. Going into the third race, being dead last, having to catch up through Suzuka, which I guess wouldn't have been too bad considering what happened there. But mm-hmm. it was it was about to be really bad for them if they didn't get saved by having the better McGann for Tokyo. But I think yeah. Renault, they did so well to make up what they had lost, but it just, it wasn't enough for them because the mistakes they had were way too crucial. Where did they finish at Suzuka? Were they on the podium? They won. Oh, damn. Duh. <laughs> they went uh, They went last in the first race up to fifth at Tokyo in the McGann, and then they won Suzuka. And I, they were 11th in the final race because of that botched pitch strategy. Yeah. Or it wasn't even a botch pitch strategy. It was just an honest mistake. That was too bad. I guess yeah. I was uh, I was paying more attention in my memory to um, Marzan in the Mercedes at Suzuka. It's like the camera was always on you him. You mean so. the part where everybody bullied him? <laughs> yes. Everybody <laughs> bullied him, and then he got a five-second penalty for something that happened off screen. You, so it was just like you, you couldn't have 
a more depressing race. Welcome to Gran Turismo Finals, bro. Yeah. It was like you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to speak for the stewarding, but <laughs> he got hit what so many stewarding? times on the cameras. It was hilarious. There's and some... to end up with a five-second penalty at the very end for something that we didn't get to see, it was just like, uh-oh, what is going on here? Yeah. I felt really bad for him. He resisted yeah. a lot of it for a while. He was driving really well. Well, so... Yeah, he was actually people, doing well. People that don't know, Marzan uh, was actually a substitute for Dan, uh, Nick McMillan, who uh, had a decline because he couldn't be a Paris. But uh, Marzan, you know, he came through for Mercedes. He was pretty... A lot of people said he did pretty well for himself and the team. Would you guys agree? Yeah, Mercedes did pretty well. I think... Uh, <clears throat> I think Mercedes didn't have the best car for the tracks. I think the Group 4 race at Tokyo was their best shot to score big points. And they got away with, what, fourth place? And then that's where Marzan was set up to defend from everybody in the Suzuka race. But, you know, for Mercedes being a very, like, consistent all-around Group 3 car that's very good at what it does, uh, just the the tracks that it got Brands Hatch... I think the the most important thing to note was that besides Tokyo, which was the Group 4 race, which, you know, Group 4 nobody even cares about, uh, the Group 3 races in particular were pretty handling-heavy circuits, so it never really got a chance to shine. Yeah. I think you can make a case for Renault having a, very, having a better showing than it would have had otherwise because the tracks were so favorable toward the RSL1. Right. But Mercedes didn't have that, that luck in the track selection. I think, again, it was a good all-round car for the tracks, but I think there were other cars that were able to utilize the tracks better. Yeah, for sure. So the performance was good. I don't think the circumstances were as good for them. And then, of course, the Suzuka incident didn't help. Mm. Were you disappointed they didn't use Atopolis? I was kind of disappointed. I was disappointed, but... I can kind of understand because it's such a, a low prep time. But, I mean, I guess they've done that before, so it's it wouldn't have been the biggest deal. Right. No worries. Autopolis is a, is a fun track, too. so Totally. It's, I, I like it a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of cars that didn't work, though, I think the biggest one was Toyota. I'm actually baffled as to why they ended... I mean, I guess with the Toyota partnership, it makes sense to use the new Supra. But the FT1 was so much better for pretty much every track, and they ended up with the Supra instead. I think if Toyota had the FT1, they would have done a whole lot better. Yeah. Because it it's better on its tires as well, right? It's really good on tires, and it's really good on cornering. And every single track there for the Group 3 cars were pretty handling-oriented. Yeah. It's crazy good at cornering. Yeah. It was, it was very disappointing that they were left with the Supra instead of the FT1. Because if they had the FT1... They probably would have been a, a championship contending team right there. For sure. Classic Toyota move. Yep. If I'm honest. <laughs> but uh, the so speaking of stand-ins, we obviously were just talking about Marzen coming in for McMillan, off for Mercedes, and then Marcel or this is Ridic Olus. How do you say it, Daniel? I don't know. We might as well just call him <laughs> ridiculous at this point. It's ridiculous. This is This ridiculous. is ridiculous. And he's the story of the day of the uh, manufacturer round one world tour uh, series or whatever. 
stop. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, he came out of nowhere. He was a wild card. He was fourth pick, uh, fourth substitute. I believe... I believe Anisha said that he was the fourth reserve driver for Aston in terms of points. Yeah. There were a lot of reserve drivers, I think. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, but like within... Castro. Like within Aston Martin itself, I believe. Right. Could be wrong on that, though. For American region. Because it was supposed to be Hendricks. (coughs) Correct. Hendricks was originally... He was the one that went to Monaco. Yep. And so Marcel... uh, or this is he's that's his last name. Um, this is ridiculous. Came in for him and did really well. He actually surprised everyone, which was awesome to see. And uh, obligatory USA chant, which I'll do later. <laughs> um, Castro, Richard Castro, our boy, our knight and shining PS two, is uh, coming in for Terrell or uh, Meadows, yes, and uh, Lexus. So he's on the championship team. It's a big, uh, it's a big spot to, to fill, and I think. Uh, what would you, uh, how did how did he do, or how did the team fare this time around? I think they had a few decent races. Um, I think um, originally, it was supposed to be uh, not Group Four, right, at uh, Tokyo. And then it switched. It was, yeah, was going to be three, it. which would have been better for them. Maybe maybe the they found the curves were too hazardous and cars were flying left and right or something on Group Three. Yeah, who's testing these things? We still don't really know. <laughs> I guess <clears throat> I think it has less to do with the track and more the fact that because manufacturers is specifically a, like a two class system in terms of Group Four and Group Three, it wouldn't make sense for them not to have a Group Four race at some point because. Uh, if you're going to qualify for these events with both categories, why would you only race one? You get what I mean? Right. So they already ran group three at uh, the world final, and then they were just about to do four races in group three with no group four whatsoever. So I think while most people aren't a fan of group four, I think it's kind of necessary for them to do it since it's part of the criteria and the manufacturer series to begin with. So yeah. I guess I just looked at the tracks that they had. And, and figured that it would be the best one to turn into a Group 4 race. True. That makes a lot of sense. It was yeah. probably the best... Uh, I wouldn't say, like... It's not completely balanced, but it was probably the best one in terms of balancing a race. Yeah. Because it was, like, kind of fuel-limited, right? Or tire-limited? I don't think there were limits at all. The races were so short that it didn't matter. Yeah. They had like sixteen X tire wear, but just five oh, yeah, laps, yeah, yeah. just a sprint to the end. Cool. And then we had uh, Fabian, who had to step in for Anthony Felix uh, or Anthelicious. That's Pero Loco, aka uh, McQueen, FT McQueen, having to come in for a uh, under the weather Felix, which was unfortunate because he really wanted to do well for Chevy. You know, having trying to make up for the you know, their unfortunate run at Nürburgring in Monaco last year. Unfortunately, Chevy didn't really have too too great of a showing, even though they had one of the best stand-ins they could have got. Yeah, that was too bad. Ant is, like, uh, the fastest guy I've ever seen in a Corvette. Yeah, he's Ant pretty Ant does things insane. with that car that just, 
blows my mind every time. You know, they're <clears throat> when you look at leaderboards, uh, like top ten times and stuff. You look at all these cars that kind of make sense, and then you see ants up there, just like maybe third or fourth with the Corvette, and like in the sense that like a Corvette probably shouldn't be there, but he puts it up so far up high, and he's just barely off of the top spot. And it just, it gets me every time, because I can't drive that car at all. Right. It's very interesting how he can bring it really quickly. I think maybe if he was there, they might have stood a better chance, because I remember they were dead last overall, even with all of Renault's big mistakes. So, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see the dynamic that Ant would have brought to that team. It's it's a shame. Yeah. He he was definitely missed, and uh, I hope he recovers well. And you know, fortunately, it was just the World Tour stop. Uh, the only thing really counting was the overall win. Now, do we know if he actually flew out to the entire event, or did he actually stay? Yeah, he went. Yeah, he went. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, at least there. he's got. At least he gets to do everything else. Like, imagine. Oh yeah. Imagine not even being able to go like last minute. That would suck. That would suck. Oh, yeah, like, sorry, I'm sick, I can't go. <laughs> that sounds like a cop-out, but yeah. I would have gone even if I was sick. Oh, yeah, dude, I would have I'd get everybody else sick. sick. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going <laughs> to slobber and snot all over that wheel. I can say You guys are going to suffer with me. Oh, damn. Taking the team down, too. Absolutely. I like <laughs> if I go down, the ship goes down. <laughs> ship nah, can't, hey. can't go on without its captain, after all. Exactly. No, I'm... <laughs> Implying I'd ever be a captain. Hey, Daniel, you all right, man? You're bleeding from your eyes. I'm, f- I'm fine. I'm so messed up, dude. I gotta drive this car, though, man. Yeah, it's funny how little things can affect you, but, you know, who knows, maybe Anthony. Anthony's really straight, like a stand-up guy, so maybe he was just thinking for the team. Maybe he was like, ah, I'm only feeling like 80%. I don't want to... I don't want to go in feeling eighty percent. I want to get. I want to get these guys, you know, give them a, a better shot or whatever. I don't know. Hey, but, but you that's know all what? his business. He's he's still top of Chevy. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard for people to take them that away from him. And of course, Chevy has also gotten at least the Group Three got a recent buff, and I think that manufacturer will be. I wouldn't say like super strong, but I think they'd be able to contend going into the, uh, the stages this year. So even though we don't know what's happening with manufacturers, I think if any manufacturer were to make it, Chevy would be in the mix, and I think Ant would be the top guy for that. So I think I think he's got more shots. For sure. And that uh, brings up a little bit uh, – well, it brings to mind my run in this previous off-season exhibition uh, series that just happened. Uh, I'll just touch on that a little bit, and maybe we can all just – you know, pitch pitch in our experiences, but mine, uh, unfortunately, I thought I was going to have a better chance to give, because um, I did pick Chevy for my manufacturer for this last season, and I thought I'd be able to give Anthony more of a run because I was S and he was A plus, but it didn't work out. I just every time I tried to get into the game, I I couldn't practice or uh, excuse after excuse, and then the one time that I was all ready to go and set up, the fucking power went out. <laughs> So that was like the racing gods telling me, hey, chill, dude. <laughs> Take a little break. It's all good. I think somebody tipped out. off Kaz. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sent the PD overlords. All powerful. 
Yeah, but how how did your guys uh, starting with Daniel? Uh, how do you how do you feel about your run in this last uh, off season? Um, it's a mixed bag. There, <laughs> I can't think of last season without thinking about the last Nations race where I literally lost uh, the potential to win just because uh, I was racing next to Defson going into the second chicane on the Mulsanne Strait and. Like, I was letting him go past, so I, I went to break, and he, like, braked a little bit early, so I kind of misjudged and, like, let off a little bit, but then I realized I was letting off a little bit too more than I, a little bit more than I wanted to, and I just went straight into the, uh, straight into the cut, and just, and then I got, like, Yeesh. a half-second penalty on the last lap, doing the exact same thing that Windfire did on lap five, and I got a penalty, and he didn't. So oh, it. it's just a little bit of inconsistencies ruining my run because I had just caught up to Windfire over the course of the entire race and finally got past him, and uh, I lost out. So I could have had second, and I dropped that. And the manufacturers, I mean, it's Alfa Romeo, dude. Like, I still think the Group Three car is an absolutely terrible piece of crap car. Uh, nobody can tell me otherwise. POS. I think once I transition to wheel tire where it won't be as big of an issue, but the way it is on pad right now, that car specifically like burns through front tires like nobody else. And the way it's set up, like the base setup, it has really, really bad understeer on high speed corners. So there's a lot of tracks where it just gets really hurt and it doesn't even have like That's any weird. top speed advantage to boot. It's just kind of a it now that the McLaren has come out, the F one GTR, it just feels like a way worse version of the F1 GTR. <laughs> so it's like, why ever use it? So, right. like, that top 16 race, I didn't make it anyway, but even if I did, uh, and everybody else, I would have lost, like, three extra positions. So we kind of lucked out in a way where all the, the nation's people that made the top 16 didn't make manufacturers, and there were people in there that would have taken my spot because I would have done awful in that race. But Yeah, to fill people in on that, by the way, so there was this time... Uh, kind of issue where if you were doing the top 16 superstars race for nations you didn't have enough time or you only had like a few seconds to exit the lobby go back into the menus and to be able to actually enter the top 16 manufacturer race which is after like way too so they were stacked on top of each other way too closely and so what ended up happening was uh, the manufacturer top 16 was just vacant of most of the people that should have been in there. And yeah. I mean, there was Tristan was in there, which was great, and Armin, but you know, we were missing a lot. It wasn't a good race, it wasn't as good as it, it wasn't the culmination that anyone was looking for. Yeah, it no. was the culmination that Defsum was looking for because he got to uh, wait. No, it wasn't, it was not, it was the one Stagger was looking for because he took first place because of it. But no, uh, manufacturers. I can't even say that I did well because I ended up third place overall, but I also have the Alfa Romeo Group 4, and everybody can use that as a reason to say that I'm not good, so I'm going to accept that reasoning. Do you, okay. So do you, it, was, do you, it was okay. Are you hearing a lot of people say that you're not good? <laughs> no, I'm not hearing that. It's just you, you, can't, you can't do a Group 4 race without somebody complaining about tire wear. So if you win the race, you automatically know that everybody – doesn't think that you won that race. They think that your car won that race. I and so I, I've kind of had to like live with that mentality to where like every group four race, if I win, I just don't feel like I earned that one. 
F those people, though, dog. F them right to the hell. I mean, I can't because they're kind of telling the truth. I think if I were in a different car, it would not be the case at all. Stop being so logical all the time. All right, Tristan, what are you... What's your breakdown of your series? <laughs> I had a, a great championship. Um, I think I Citron! won. I think you did. What was your placement? Just okay. So just to recap really quickly, Daniel, you got third place in I got nations. third in nations and manufacturers. Which two second and then American or United States? US, yeah, I was second USA? in the U.S. because Windfire was second above me. What? Like you mean you were second in the U.S. and you were third? In... I was third overall and second in U.S. Right, and Windfire was first. Windfire was first in U.S. and he was second overall. And then winner, the winner overall was, was Stepson. Yeah, right. Okay, Canada. Stepson. Stepson. USA, USA. Okay, and then going over to Tristan, what were your placements? I was fifth in both. The Fernando Alonso pole position. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> you were like, you're. I, I compare you to Alonso. I think that's fair. And then Solis, I'd compare him. You know, like. A night, you know, uh, Narayan Karthikeyan. <laughs> Hold on now. He's not bad at all. The difference between Tristan <laughs> and Alonzo is that Tristan doesn't ruin a team by existing. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think Alonzo just can't help it. There's some personality trait that just occurs, and it's just a matter of time. If you see the Netflix doc, the first episode, it's hilarious, because during testing, he's like, is there a reason for these cameras? <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's just like the boss. And mm-hmm. so... Oh, great doc if you haven't seen it Netflix F1 yeah check it out very entertaining so moving on yeah going back to your um, take on your series uh, in manufacture off season exhibition blah 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 what I remember most specifically and poignantly is uh, following um, Daniel all the time <laughs> it was a uh, fast one it was very difficult to keep up with these guys um, you know particularly Dodge Lamb uh, Def Sun, Windfire, just hauling ass all the time. And uh, I was pretty lucky to win in Austria in the Nations, I think, like uh, maybe round eight or nine, because uh, Windfire was in a beetle and uh, hauling me up in the second half of the race. Give it like another lap and a half, he would have um, probably overtaken me. So, you know, I was, I was pretty lucky a few races. Uh, I didn't win you know, nearly as often as I was expecting, which is a very egotistical thing to say, but the truth nonetheless. Um, yeah. It was tight, man. A lot of people showed up and showed up hard. Uh, like, well, let's go through some of the names that surprised you guys. Uh, for me, like Mr. Stinky Bug, even though I knew he was quick, but he really stepped it up for this last uh, season. A lot Stinky of Bug is definitely up. one of those people. Stinky Bug has gotten a lot better. Like, I think Stinky Bug and I... Like, I, I typically don't talk about myself, but I think Steaky Bug and I have made the same sort of progress between the end of last season and now. Because I think Stinky Bug has always been, like, just a notch below me. And I was, like, way below everybody else. And now that this offseason has happened, I've kind of, like, progressively gotten near the top. And Stinky has kind of followed me along. So he's still, like, a little bit under the top like maybe top five top ten people but he's like really close because he's improved a lot over time yeah i would agree with that and for you tristan any names that jump out at you in in the mind this is (laughs) ridiculous yeah 
Ridiculous, I think. <laughs> I'm giving it my best try. I'm not a, yeah. you know, not a scientist of words. Or am I? Not a ridiculous person. For what it's he worth, uh, he plays under his, his DNA tag, which yeah, is DNA underscore DNA until uh, now. Ibisu. Ibisu. I, I assume that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, DNA is a great team. A lot of strong guys. And before I had known that was the case, my, my opinion of him was that in terms of like a top split race in North America, I, I would say I would have always said that he was like between six and 10 position. And on his Ibisu account, that's pretty much where he ends up. So if you take that like average in the middle for North America compared to the top of every other region, I think he did a really, really good job at this, uh, this manufacturer series Yeah. to actually win the whole thing as somebody that I would personally say is not exactly too close to that top level. I think he did a really good job and, uh, I'm very impressed with how he, how he drove at the event. Yeah, I would say he was the ultimate wild card story, and he is going to world finals, and that's pretty crazy. He's he doesn't have to play Gran Turismo anymore until November. <laughs> Lucky guy. Lester was always there, like at every no, race. No, I believe I believe they they uh, went back on that statement. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. Uh, what is that you're referring to? The manufacturers like qualifying for the world final. I think that's just for nations. The uh, nation's oh. winner. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they retracted so. that statement. Ah. So, unfortunately, <clears throat> he's not, but he still has a good shout. This is good motivation. It's like confidence builder, booster for... Yeah, it's huge. For sure. And uh, I'm sure he's going to be strong and throughout this long, long, super long, extremely long season of <laughs> 40 races that we all have to compete in. We, Eddie, you pointed out how Kuda Man has shown up again. Oh yeah, Kudaman was strong early on, but then I think he had you know other things he needed to tend to, so he wasn't able to really finish out the season as like he was like he he intended to, I guess. But he was going strong right from the get go. Yeah, he's uh, so Kudaman is Brian Heikotter. He's the uh, very first GT Academy champion from the United States back in 2011, the year right before me, and. Super awesome guy, uh, an autocrossing legend. Uh, he ended up making a good name for himself in the uh, kind of like top level SECA um, like racing series here in the United States, like the Pearly World Challenge and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean he's had plenty of fun. He's got a great legacy, and he's still really fast in Sims. I, he's always been really fast because he's been playing Sims since like. Back in the uh, IndyCar days, like uh, com- on the Commodore and stuff, and <laughs> I remember racing him on iRacing, or not, I wasn't racing him, but I-, I jumped into an iRacing room, it was a Miata at Sebring, like way back, like 2010 or something, and I couldn't believe how fast he was. I mean, just uh, to give you an idea, in the last manufacturer's offseason we did, there was three people in the top 15 that did five races or less. Kuda was 14th. He did five races and he ended up in 14th place. And I know that yeah. one of those was also really bad for the Renault, so that's good for him. Uh, right above him in 13th was Ant. He only did four races. And then in 7th, or not 7th, 8th uh, place, you had Originals 14, who is uh, 5 Zygon. Yeah. He was in 8th place with, yeah. uh, with four races. So 
really good for all of them across the board, but that gives you a good idea of where Kuda kind of sits. I got a story about Kuda Man. Go ahead. He, uh, he and I had a race, I think it was uh, Dragon Trail Gardens in the group fours, and he, driving for Renault, did a no-stop and um, managed to win the race by like two or three seconds. Damn. Yeah, he pulled it off big time. Yeah, those are... Those no-stops are tough, man. Uh, like, I did the no-stop at Bathurst, and I didn't plan it ahead of time. Uh, I was just in the room, and, you know, we were watching. That was the weekend that it was. It was a Saturday. So on Saturdays, they were um, top 24 superstar races. And their race, I, we couldn't reference. You know, I couldn't watch that race and then try to do the same thing in my race because our race was shorter. It was 20 minutes versus 30 so I remember, um, sorry, Ibrahim was one of the guys that couldn't, that unfortunately didn't make the, the DR cut or whatever uh, to get into the top 24. So he ended up getting into our room. It was, and I was A plus, and so was Tristan, and Ibrahim was in there. And he, he had mentioned in the chat, no stop question mark. And I was <laughs> like, huh, that must be the one to go for because we were both in 4GT. So I went for it, and it ended up working out. But no stops difficult sorry i had to pat myself on the back a little bit i don't know why i did that daniel do you but, uh, <laughs> daniel have you are you a practitioner of the no stop have i what would you He's say on the controller he can't do no stops yeah it's true i guess um <laughs> so the only time i can get away with a no stop is in the alfa romeo compared to other cars and group four and i there was a possibility of me doing it at Blue Moon Infield A reverse, but because of being on controller, my tire wear was just a little bit worse, and it was uh, it was at that point where it was just just bad enough not to be able to do it. Whereas I know other people like Blazer R ninety three in Europe, he was able to do it, and uh, <clears throat> I typically don't like no stopping unless it's like significantly quicker, like maybe five seconds or more. Because I don't like the the grip disadvantage that being on worn tires gives you, especially in MR cars. So, right. like, you can get a quicker time overall in theory, but it also makes the race a lot harder. And uh, driving on worn tires is always, like, a risk factor. And that's a risk factor I personally don't like. I guess the only other situation where it becomes useful is if it allows you to dodge traffic. But otherwise, I like... I like stopping more often than no stopping, only because I just like being able to drive the car. <laughs> it feels so weird when you can't push the car. Right. Like, I've done league races. Like, uh, I know Pinnacle, me, you, and Tristan are in. And uh, there are situations where I've done a long, hard stint. And the longer it goes on, compared to a guy that's on fresh softs, it can be like six or seven seconds of a lap difference and it just feels horrible to drive on worn hard tires so yeah i like pitting Depends. personally I'm a, I'm a pit boy <laughs> <laughs> i'm a pit yeah, boy it's... wearing a pit boy with my pit bull damn with pit cairns and okay. pit bull singing in the background pit bull i singing think we'll the... stop there with, with his armpits shaved okay and he's Mr. Uh, Worldwide. And he's on a spit roast. 
<laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. So, yeah. So that brings us to the other big story we have. Some, we have a little bit of information that we'd like to divulge to the uh, larger audience, and that is the overview for the 2019 World Championships for FIA Gran Turismo. And so starting it off, uh, things are different this year. There's no regionals. Um, it's going to be a lot more strict as far as who's going to be allowed to go. There's less spots. It's more spread out. Uh, things are going to get extremely competitive on the sharp end of the uh, points table. But it is a very long series. So it starts... There are going to be four stages. The first stage starts this Saturday, the 23rd. Uh, this following Saturday. So we are on our... We're on the 16th. So on the 23rd of March, round one, stage one starts... And that goes until the 27th of April, so 10 rounds. That concludes stage one. And then May 1st, the following week, it goes right into stage two. And then we go to stage three and stage four, which ends September 7th. So the best 10 out of your 40 rounds uh, culminate, uh, you know, get collected at the end of the, of the massive mega season. And that determines who's going to get to go through to the World Finals, which are going to be in November, in a, in a location that's yet to be determined. And then adding to that, there's going to be five World Tour stops. The first one just happened in Paris. Then if you go on GT Planet, you'll see where the other stops are. There's Paris. There's New York. There's Nürburgring, like last year. Then uh, we also have... Austria again, and then Tokyo. So that's four. Which one am I missing? There's one no, it's Paris, somewhere. Nürburgring, uh, New York, Red Bull, and Tokyo. Okay, those are the five. And people who win the Nations Cup get an automatic entry into the uh, World Final, but that also takes up a spot. One of the uh, three was it? Uh, it's different per region. So there's 16 in yeah. Europe, uh, five in North America, five in Central and South, six in Asia, and four in Oceania. Yes. Well, for Nations Cup, yeah, I'm looking at, it, at the sheet, and it's ten, maximum two per country as well. Which is we, oh, we're talking about the uh, the World Tour or the World Final? Sorry, the World. Final. The world final is uh, it's five for North America and three per country. The world tour qualifications are three for North America and two per country, and that's based on stage results. Right. So if you do well on stage, you have a slight chance of getting through to a world a world tour stop, and so world tours are going to be like best of the best. Would you say so? I would expect it that way. I mean, the best of people who have the time to invest in all of the races. Yeah, and that's a key tenant because people are talking a lot about dedication, loyalty, like what uh, PD is actually looking for in these in the selection that they're you know the criteria that they're going with. It it really demands a lot of time and effort, and 
that's definitely the idea, right? I would say so. But on on that point, I want to point out that Stagger did the opposite and just showed up out of nowhere halfway through the manufacturer season and fucking won the thing. That was amazing. Yeah, he also yeah, didn't. Uh, he also didn't do the nation's top sixteen, so that had a big factor in it. That's fair. Yeah, and that's one thing that people are saying uh, with this the way that it's set up. I mean, we still don't know how the actual slots are going to be um, as far as time. We know they're going to be still Wednesdays and Saturdays, but we don't know if they're going to be you know spread out a little bit more like they were to the end, toward the end of this last off season. Um, so th- it might be the case where people are going to end up picking just one to go for that one being either nations or manufacturers right I suppose Daniel I'm sorry repeat I was totally distracted (laughs) no problem so I was just going off about how there may be people choosing to go one or the other rather than attempting both at the same time like we were doing last year I think that could be the case, but in in my opinion, uh, if you want to increase your odds of getting into the uh, <clears throat> the live events, you you probably might want to go with both. But I don't know; it, it kind of depends. Um, if I if I can get my thoughts together here, I think after the mistake that they had with the timing on the top sixteen races, I don't think they'll make that mistake again. <clears throat> I don't see why they would. They might make the Nations one happen at an earlier slot and then allow the manufacturers to stay at the same time so there's no massive conflict. But I think they learned their mistakes, or they learned from their mistakes. So it really depends on how you look at it. I think it's better to just maximize both as opposed yeah. to just doing it in one, mainly because... Yeah. I don't know. I it's a weird way of looking at it, but I just think that putting too much time in the one thing like ma- makes you burn out a lot easier, in my opinion. I don't like that mentality, so. Well, I think the difference, the key difference is that well, while we still don't have, we only have information on Nations Cup and what the criteria is for going through for World Tour and World Finals. We still, it's to be announced the criteria for Manufacturer Series, and. I think the big thing is people are going to feel as if Nations is way too competitive because they're in a nation full of people rather than a manufacturer series where they may be able to select a car that not many people are going for and get in that way. So I think that's a big element uh, or a big factor of why manufacturers was more competitive because you had people fighting you know, to try to make their car a top 16. And now, now going into 2019... They, it may be even uh, narrower. The it may be a twelve, top twelve, or whatever. I still think if you feel that you are competitive enough to qualify for these events, you should be putting more time into nations, if anything, because with manufacturers, unless they have some divine plan to include all twenty four, twenty five manufacturers, like unless they have a way to include everybody you're basically playing a game of luck for which ones work and which ones don't. Because uh, if it's anything like last season, your individual performance could not matter at all if the rest of the world doesn't follow along with you. So I think Nations gives you the most surefire shot at just qualifying in terms of just yourself doing all the work 
instead of having to rely on other people. So if there are people right. that want to focus all their energy and effort into one series, I would definitely go with the uh, the nations because manufacturer sounds easier in theory with just you competing with people in your region to be the best in that region. But overall, it could hurt you if you pick something uh, not very popular like Citroen or uh, Peugeot or even Renault at this point. <laughs> You just named yeah. three brands all from France. Yeah, uh, literally the <laughs> French manufacturers just don't get picked. Probably because they're bad, but, you know, that's, <laughs> that's beside the point. They need a little uh, power, you could say. Oh, goodness. At this point, uh, Renault could use, like, 10% power across the board. Just divide it how you want, like 7% on the trophy and like 3% on the RSO1, do something. But taking another power of the RSO1 was the weirdest thing I think I've seen so far, like since the Alpha incident. I'm surprised more French people aren't getting out in the streets and protesting about this. You know, the French are contentious people, especially when it comes to... Okay, I don't want to offend anyone. but um, Hey, you know what? Yeah, we've we've got people... some nice French people in, in, our, uh, in our GT Sport community. Jomas? Jomas is the best. Jomas Snake. is fantastic. Hell yeah. Atho's a good guy. Yeah, dude. I like all those Frenchies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's, to give people a, more of a clear picture. So definitely follow along on the website. If it isn't out by the time this is published, uh, try this. Go to grand, go to grand-turismo.com slash US or wherever you are. Then another slash GT Sport. Then another slash... <laughs> FIA 2019. Another slash detail. Though I'm sure if this video goes on YouTube, like it probably will. Uh, maybe we should put a link yeah. in the description below. Mm. Yeah, go ahead and point to the link below, Daniel. Great job. All right. I'm pointing down, but you just don't see it. And technically, right. so because no... I'm pointing down, I'm not pointing at the best spot, but we're pointing down. Yeah, me too. So. Let's come up with a scenario here, okay? Because World Tour stops, Nations Cup, if you win Nations Cup, you get an automatic golden ticket, Willy Wonka, all the way to the World Finals. We just don't know where those World Finals are yet. Could be Monaco, could be the moon. We're yet to find out. We don't even know if Kaz is going to wear uh, Willy Wonka's outfit, so it'll be a big surprise. I smell a GoFundMe. GoFundMe campaign. True. Fortunately, on that note, I will step away for a few minutes. No problem. We keep it rolling. That's what we got too. No worries, soldier. We're not leaving you behind. We're keeping this caravan pitted until you're back. No garbage GT players <laughs> left behind. <laughs> so, the there is a scenario that could happen, right? There are only five slots, maximum three per country, for World Finals. For North America, there are 16 for Europe, and blah, blah, and so on. But speaking if specifically about North America, say that North American wins, uh, and one of the World Tour stops. That means one of those five spots is going to get eaten up. Hmm. So the rest of the guys are going to have to get it through on points. So, say Europeans and Brazilians win, <laughs> the most of the World Tour stops, the and then maybe say, you know, Defson wins one of the world tours. Then there's going to be four spots to fight for 
for North America. And again, max three per country. Mm -hmm. And those spots are going to be determined with points on the online stage. This is going to become blood sport. It's going to become extremely, extremely competitive. I look forward to it. It's gonna. It's a new I challenge. I look forward to it as well. I think a lot of people are gonna show up out of the woodwork, and but also, that's gonna happen in the beginning. But it is a long four seasons, man. We're talking like six months of racing. Sweet. Yeah, every Wednesday and Saturday, lives are gonna change. People are gonna die. Okay, sorry, not really. <laughs> I look forward to ind- indulging <laughs> the time in that championship. Me too. It's going to be fun. It's going to be nuts. And who knows how things are going to change and evolve throughout the thing, too. Because we saw points change in the middle of the offseason. Although I hope that doesn't become a thing later on. I think they're pretty settled on what they want to do. But, um, yeah, we don't know what the combos are going to be like. If if Nations is going to stick to the usual, you know, uh, kind of combos that they've been doing. Or they're going to do more experimental things uh, keep us on our toes uh, I would welcome a, one of those super formula rounds that would be great for sure that's coming to GT Sports soon super formula in the form of two cars one's Toyota one's Honda right uh, um, it's going to have push that's the correct. pass yeah they, oh, they will definitely sound different apparently so that's useful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always good to have a race car that sounds like a hell sounds like great sounds like hellfire hell's fire throwback (laughs) uh yeah this season is gonna be very long it's gonna be very involved and i think the family's just gonna get stronger we're gonna be racing the same guys and it's a it's a pretty tight-knit community we're still pioneers man (laughs) Um, Mike Kim pointed out when uh, she was watching the manufacturer's um, round of the Paris World Tour this morning with me that I was fangirling <laughs> over like, <laughs> hey, there's Rich. Oh, man, there's, um, I don't know, McLaren or something like that. Uh, there's Tichney. Holy crap. And the drama that unfolded, it was just fun to be, um, I don't know, it, it was more immediately personal in the uh, yeah. in its influence. It was like in one year we've gotten so attached, like even more attached than we have to, for example, Formula One that we've been following forever. Like we're rooting for them harder. We're rooting for our guys harder than I, I root for Hamilton. It's pretty amazing. I was definitely more excited to watch that than I was F1 qualifying, as exciting as that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no spoilers here, but yeah. It was it was not what I expected, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. The these races, FIA, the Gran Turismo, Casanori, they were they're doing a stu- stunning job, and I think they started out last year with kind of a wide scope. They had a lot more players. They had those regionals. Their concepts were more kind of uh, inclusive, or they they were wide. You know, they had more people uh, that were getting shots at the at getting in but now it's they're condensing they've already kind of saw who their best drivers are and 
they're sort of just saying to us, well, if you want it, you're going to have to beat these monsters. You know, we have the all-stars here. And you're going to have to step it up if you want to if you want to mess with us over here in all these exotic locations. Mm-hmm. So they, they've certainly created a, an intensely attractive carrot to chase. And it's going to be, yeah, really competitive like you touched on. That's a really good way of putting it. Like it's a exquisite emerald carrot or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what just I mean... happened, but I, I guess it was exquisite. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, to come up, to come into that with uh, <laughs> double pun intended, man, that's funny. Hello, where were we? I'm sorry, I, I feel like I'm in a brand new world. Well, welcome, oh, friends. We call this Earth. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say America, so I could like diss us or something. I'm glad I chose oh, the d- former. Uh, <laughs> I'll just have us, to, man. I'll just have to diss Earth by saying Mars has much better. Uh, what does Mars have that's better? Well, Mars needs women, that's all I know. Better movies. I guess. Uh, Mars has... Uh, Mars is pretty far away from you, so that's a plus. Yeah, Mars has Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even yeah. seen that, so I'm probably wrong. It's a great movie. but So, we're talking about the scope of... Or the change that, you know, PD's or Gran Turismo's gone through in regards. When you compare last year to this year, it seems like they're going for more of a uh, condensed formula for their series going forward. They're they're not, you know, spending as much money. Uh, They're picking their guys that are their their, their stars, and they're saying, we've got to beat them. I already repeated this. This So I'm just saying it for your sake. But uh, what's your take on the difference between last year and this year? going forward their their approach okay so hot take right maybe they should have just done less world tours and done the regionals again because it just sounds like all, all the money that they took from the regionals went into five world tours it's it's the yeah. world tour year we'll, we'll we'll give them that um no i think uh i think that may actually have something to do with it i think they're just trying out a new event structure with the world tours and uh yeah. Because there's more events, obviously they're 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 spending less money per event by having less drivers. But I think in the long run, it's probably about the same, considering they're hosting more events. So compared to last year, it's just a, a shift in structure and how they're doing it. And to be fair, I actually do like the way they're doing it this year. I just think the uh, what would you call that? The inclusivity of uh, I don't even know if that's a word. I know it's exclusivity, but just having less drivers makes it a lot harder to get in. And I think that's going to hurt a lot for people that thought that they had a chance before, but feel like they might not now. Like I know that I, I'm starting to feel that way because there's a lot of competition that's going to happen. I think people are going to come back and North America is going to get a lot harder, but it'd be nice if they could find a way to make it so that there's more avenues for different people to get in the world tours, but like not necessarily through some sort of you can only attend one world tour at a time kind of thing. It's just kind of tough right. because I feel like these world tours, if there's if there's like a defined list of people that are at the top of every region, they might just end up constantly going to world tours and nobody else has a chance. Which, yeah. when you look at it as a, as a competitive esport, 
it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world to have the best people going over and over because you, you want the best quality event possible with the strongest players. It just feels like there's uh, there's not a lot of space here compared to other games, if that makes any sense. Yeah. The, the way this season's set up makes it feel like there's way less of an opportunity for for different amounts of people to get in. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. But I've, I've got this feeling that we could end up in a situation where literally the same people keep going to World Tours and there's not much variation. I think I, yeah, but I know what they're doing. What it's that? called the De Beers strategy, where they artificially uh, reduce um, participation availability to inflate interest. That is true. That could be a thing. We'll see if it yeah. works out. I mean, it, it might kind of backfire, but it depends. Maybe they're planning to release Gran Turismo Sport 7 next year or some title and uh, are counting on that to bring back players who might feel ostracized by this year's rules. Where'd the other five sports go? <laughs> <laughs> You're a little shit. But yeah, uh, I think I keep thinking, well, this is going to happen for a while. Gran Turismo and FIA Championships, they have a deal locked in until next year, right? I actually don't is remember 2021? I think it was either 2020 or 2021. It'd be cool if they extended it. Um, that's totally yeah. That's the big point there. That's that's if probably what this is well. all about. Really, yeah. We're this is the pioneering. These are the experimental years. We're gonna look back on these years and be like, man, these, they had it tough. Yeah, these but, are the uh, years. That, there's nothing uh, like it's gonna be in the future. These are the years that help determine if they want to stick with us or, or move on. I guess if you could, if you could think about it that way. Yeah, that's why if you do want a chance in the future, you gotta stay. You know, you gotta stay motivated. You gotta um, support the cause. You gotta tell people, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell the mailman to tune into these races and try to get as many eyes on these uh, 4K HDR uh, super detailed 3D models of cars that we race around track. Yo, ten years into and the future, no joke. Ten years into the future, they're gonna be people like that it. are playing this game. Everybody will be at like a lightning Igor level, and they're going to be looking back on on the very first season of FIA and being like, "Yo, who's this Dodge Lamb dumbass, and why is he using a controller and and the regional final? Like, how did how did a DS4 person get there? Like, like people are going to be so good at this game, and and the worst part for them is they're not the OG like we are. We are the no, old guard. Super OG, dude. Mm -hmm. We were there since the very beginning." And we're going to watch it grow. It's going to be fun. And I think what uh, – so let's end this podcast on talking about what happens when you introduce uh, more like money and uh, prestige into a, an event like this. Because uh, starting this discussion off, uh, the point that was brought up by someone on the uh, one of our chat rooms was that uh, – Kazunori doesn't necessarily want this to blow up to the scale of a uh, PUBG World Final or a League of Legends uh, kind of million times to whatever purse that is, you know, that's everyone sees big money prizes as uh, like that's what gets people to think your sport or your uh, your game is a serious thing. It's like 
no one really cares. Like, oh yeah, there's great drivers. We have Lightning. We have Igor. All they want to know is, oh well, how much money are they winning? And you tell them, well, they get to go to, you know, uh, the FIA Prize Gala, and then you have to explain that, and you have to explain so much other stuff for them to really come to grips with what that means. Yeah. But Casanori doesn't necessarily want to go that direction. So starting with uh, Tristan, what do you think? Uh, how, what's your take on that? Like, do you uh, do you think that uh, introducing a huge purse kind of spoils things, or does it make things more competitive in, in a good way? Or it might be the case. I don't know. It, to me, it feels kind of uh, similar to when Formula One introduced, um, uh, like, a lot of teams to start to advertise. I think it was like 1968, and with sponsorships comes, you know, more investment and higher purses and bigger commercial rights and more prize money being the ultimate thing. And if it was just, uh, it used to just be, just be the venue that was providing the prize money uh, up to then. So, um, you know, it was it was less a focus about how much money you're going to make, and more so the the actual event of racing. So it's right. I, I kind of support his his current position. Um, you know, I I'm very familiar with um, other huge gaming scenes like League of Legends or um, uh, Super Smash Melee, and um, I mean, those are gigantic, and they're a huge, awesome pool of talent that, uh, you know, it's just a huge amount of extremely skilled people. Um, But I think that, I don't know, the exclusivity of Gran Turismo kind of makes it uh, more of a dedication of of time and investment. I think it's a game for people who take things just a little more seriously or something like that. Or that could be just a subjective interpretation. I would agree with you on that interpretation because right now there isn't much to play for. It's just kind of bragging rights. And it, these are the days that we're going to look back on fondly. And if if money does come into play uh, in the near future, then we're going to start to see freaks that do nothing but play the game. And they're gonna their skill level is going to be out of reach. And so what's what are we going to have to play for? Uh, I do hope... Uh, you know, to parlay this into some of the other news that was released recently, that being the Toyota series that's going to be running along with the FIA series. So Toyota, if you do, if you guys are unaware, it has announced that they're doing a online championship within Gran Turismo. This is going to be concurrent with not. Uh, it's not going to be uh, you know PD's thing or FIA's thing. It's just Toyota. They're doing their own tournament through the game. And that final is going to be in Tokyo at the Tokyo Motor Show. And so I'm hoping that although FIA will be the crown jewel of Gran Turismo, that um, this Toyota thing kicks is successful because then other series, other um, SCCA, uh, SRO, you know, who knows? They, they could start to look at these platforms and start to say, hey, well, there's still a lot of good drivers, you know, although they may not be able to get to FIA levels, where they can still put on a great show for us, and why not go into Gran Turismo, put on a series, and see what what kind of guys they can, what kind of drivers they can uh, attract, and and it'll be, you know, a whole different vibe, and that could be a great thing, too. That is awesome. Like a a manufacturer um, genuinely contracted into uh, watching talent, and uh, ultimately choosing someone. Um, hopefully they're the first of many. Yeah, I, that really warmed my heart to see that news that Toyota uh, 
decided to do that. So I did want to touch on, uh, at least give my opinion on the, the whole monetization idea, right? Yeah, for sure. So e- esports is an industry, right? And so, you know, industry is made with business. And esports, in, in a nutshell, basically is a form of business. And so the, uh, the way it works within this is that, you know, esports is another opportunity for people to do what they love, right? And for a lot of people, esports is, gives them an opportunity to do what they love for a living. And that's something that I've been chasing for a long time. It's something I know I wanted to do. Uh, initially, I did it with League of Legends, and I was near the top of the ladder in that game, but I just was barely not good enough. And I found out that I was good at Gran Turismo, so I decided to pursue this. And I know this is a bit of a hot take. I know some people agree with it. I know uh, a lot of people disagree with it. Um, but I think for something like this to sustain and grow and capture attention, there needs to be some form of gain involved eventually, whether it's through promotion, like, say, <clears throat> like GT Academy, where people ended up driving for real-life teams, or money, like people play for money, like a large prize pool. Something like that, I believe, would be maybe not necessary, may- maybe not ever necessary, but it is a large step forward in promoting this specific esports industry because racing esports isn't very big right now and I think Gran Turismo with uh, how they did their first season has the opportunity to grow I think a lot of people are interested but it doesn't ever really take off unless you bring enough money to make people interested in it and when the money's there the sponsors are there when the sponsors are there teams form and when teams form people get actually get paid to do this and then people actually take it a lot more seriously and you have a higher level competition and when you have that higher level of competition then you get viewership viewership gets higher advertising gets higher and it's just, it spirals into an effect where everything comes full circle and everybody's receiving money on all ends so sony gets or sony and pd get money for hosting these events so that they're not just paying out the ass to bring a bunch of people here and play for a trophy right and so what I want personally is for this to turn into an economy where people play this game professionally, get paid professionally, or, or some form of some form of gain to keep it interesting and keep people interested in continuing to play, right? So I have more of a a financial view on it, just because esports is kind of geared that way. Uh, I can understand the people that don't want it to grow in that direction because it's it's kind of a wishy-washy thing to get into, but you know, at the end of the day, we just want to do what we love. And they're a subset of us that, like myself, um, it's like, it's one of those feelings. It's like, either I could do this for a living and, and enjoy it, or I could just do nothing and not enjoy what I do, because there's not a lot of opportunities for people like me. So, because I'm kind of a loser. <laughs> no. But, I don't know. A lot of I things. want this to grow. I, I, I want this to grow in that direction, because... <laughs> Racing, like, apparently people are saying that motorsport is dying. I haven't really watched a lot of motorsports, so... It's, it's evolving, and, and I get what you're saying. It's just, it's hard for people to relate, um, especially in America. It's different. It's yeah. seen, it's seen as, a, you know, people look down on it or whatever. They just don't understand it. It'll get to the level where people will be much more comfortable about, about the perception of 
of the sport being professional sport and all that. So it just takes time, and it, and cult, different cultural different cultures um, take it differently, right? So uh, eventually we'll get there, and I th- I think it's uh, yeah, it's, it's super admirable. And there's more than one way to uh, be involved in the industry of this uh, e-sport, motorsport, whatever. Uh, there's you know doing content. Yeah. There's being an actual player. There's being a manager, training, uh, writing about it. it it's just gonna get, all of that is gonna get bigger. So whatever your passion is, uh, or sub passion, you can pursue it. And I think like we're still we're kind of like the early, you know, we're we're like I said before, we're like the Mercury astronauts. You know, Apollo's coming around the corner, and that's gonna be great. We're gonna have our moonshot. And uh, I'm gonna be like 45, but that's cool. But yeah, I'm still gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm saying, though, right? Is that um, you know, Kaz wants wants these events to be good for people that can get into it, and then it creates like a like a good story for them, right? But at the end of the day, it'll it'll start to get to a point where going to the top and winning a trophy is less life changing than somebody, you know somebody makes like changes their life over something like this. And to a degree, it, it works in the sense that you've got a person like Igor Fraga who wins the world final. And I'm sure he's getting uh, notoriety and he's getting noticed around the world, but it could be more than that, you know? Yeah, I think so. And it will be. Are you ready for uh, the Gran Turismo reality show? Absolutely, man. <laughs> hey, only if it's on MTV. Look, look, PD, all we're asking is for you to genie us into rock stars. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm we hoping should, uh, for. No, put it on Viceland. Uh, if Vice could be cool, just bleach. You just got to bleach Tristan's hair and give him some contacts. I think you'd be good for that. It'd be a great fit. We'll just put your hair in a, t- in a ponytail and shave your sides off. <laughs> It'd be great, Daniel. We've got to market ourselves. <laughs> Give me a mullet. I'm sure. I'm sure the amount of hair that I got can make it work. Daniel, it's confidence. All right. So that was uh, episode six, of Grand Trees Bros. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, look forward to more in the near future. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for coming along. Uh, kind of last minute. Uh, it was really cool. You did. It was very awesome to have you on the show. I, th- I think we can do this again in the future as well. So. I, I apologize sure, to people for having very long statements and being kind of <laughs> redundant and confusing, but hopefully any of it made sense. I think uh, no, it was a lot better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is it's, We're worn out, man. How much racing is going on this weekend? Jesus. Uh, enough. Christ. Not enough for you. I, huh? I got I to gotta pay attention to that, and I got to watch League of Legends, and I got to practice. It's a lot of fun. Hmm. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. It was nice to have you with us. It's nice to be here, kind of. He called me Daniel Lamb. (laughs) Isn't that the name of a? uh, Isn't that the name of the character from Manhunt Two, the main protagonist? I've never played the game, but I just remember that name, Daniel Lamb. I don't know. It sounds kind of like a like something out of the Book of Mormon to me. Yeah, Daniel Lamb is uh, the protagonist (laughs) of Manhunt Two. Little tidbit for you. Really? Never relate me to a murder ever again. <laughs> or do. You Sorry. Know, I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I struggle not to. That would suck, man. 
<laughs> in some ways. To kill people? <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> we went All different right. directions with that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Say goodbye. Peace out. Later. Later. Cheers.